Hello, Logic friends. This episode of the Logic Podcast is brought to you by Cinesis.io. These guys have been my reseller for over 15 years, and we could not do what we do without them. They're fantastic partners, no matter what size your business. To find out more about their remote workflow solutions, check them out at Cinesis.io. If you haven't signed up for the forum yet, do it now at forum.logic.tv. It is the number one place for flame artists. We have nearly a thousand users, lightning fast response times, and over 120,000 page views per month. Plus, you'll get access to the Logic Discord server for real-time audio and video chat. Sign up for free at forum.logic.tv. Brian Bailey, flame artist. Hello. How you doing, man? Pretty good. We're starting to get into the hundreds here in Texas. It was 100 today. Tomorrow's 101. Oh, that's great. Well, it's only up from there, you know? <laughs> yes. What do you do to beat the heat? Lots of air conditioner. When we moved into our house, the air conditioners needed to be replaced. So I got the, like, here's here's the size you need mm-hmm. for the size of your house. And I got the next bigger one. Oh, good for you. And said, we're just going to go ahead and splurge on that. <laughs> we're hanging meat, as my father used to say. <laughs> yeah. We had central air conditioning in the house, but in the summer, my my father installed a window unit in his bedroom or in like my parents' bedroom. My sister and I would sleep on the floor in there so that only like that room needed to be chilled all night, you Mm -hmm. know? And it was the it was like being inside a commercial refrigerator (laughs) or like an idling Mack truck. It was so loud. And it was like my father, every that was like his like dad phrase, or he would go like it's like hanging meat in here. That's nice. And yeah, we do have the, you know, yelling at the kids when they leave the door open. You, were you born in a barn? That's what you say to make them close the door. We're not air conditioning the whole neighborhood here. My mother used to have this expression. What do you think? I own shares in the electric company. <laughs> you know, you leave the light on. What do you think? Mm-hmm. I own shares in the electric company. And then this is a terrible story, but it was talk about like, I earned this. When my grandfather died, one of the things that my mother inherited were his shares in Southern Company, right? <laughs> Which is like the largest power utility in the United States. And so, you know, wise ass here. The next time my mother said, you know, what do you think? I own shares in the electric company? I went, well, you do now. You know, like now that pop Pop's dead, you do. I earned every one of those, every one, every single one, man. Nice. I don't advocate it, but I absolutely earned every single one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Important questions of the day to kick this off, my friend. Horizontal or vertical reels? When I used Flame before, I guess like 20th anniversary, it was horizontal. And now I don't really use reels at all. I use either like the little freeform desktop or I'm usually looking at the viewer, like the what the play viewer. Mm-hmm. I would still claim horizontal. Horizontal when under duress or when pressured to do so. Yes, and what about hotkeys? Are we flame hotkeys or we smoke hotkeys? Smoke, classic, with a few things I change. So I guess part of my history is that I was originally on smoke, but we also had flame in the studio. And in order to do any kind of batch or effects work, I'd have to switch over to flame. But the the smoke hotkeys were always the more, I guess, more used. Except when it came to batch, you know, like escape for the schematic and tilde and stuff like that. So now I do a little bit of customization of some flame hotkeys, but it's based on the smoke classic. I like that. 
Let me ask you this, man. What is your least favorite thing to do in flame? I guess I'm kind of over keying. <laughs> like, really? You know, spend a lot of time doing really delicate green screen keys and getting the edges just right. And now it's, I guess that's kind of boring or just not <laughs> exciting. Uh huh. So now we're over keying? Yeah. I mean, I, I know I have to do it, but it's, I guess it's my least favorite. Oh, oh, oh. You're kind of over keying. All right. Yes. I thought you were about to like tell me about this wonderful <laughs> new trend in compositing called no. over keying. Like, you know, like <laughs> deep compositing. There's a no. Andy, you haven't heard of over keying? <laughs> You mean you've been under keying all these years? I am, I am mentally done with You're caring so done. about keying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know, first of all, good for you for not taking the easy one out and saying like archiving or something like that, or, or you know, doing <laughs> nine by 16 versions or something like that. What about uh, your favorite thing to do in Flame? What could you do all day, every day? This is going to sound cliche, I guess, for Flame artists, but I love when the client doesn't have a an answer or a solution and they just say, you figure it out. And then- that there's no other software like flame for just like making something on the spot or taking the still that they have and making it dynamic or, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. So I love when they give me that kind of free reign of here's what we need. You figure it out. Cause we can't figure it out. <laughs> that's, that's always been awesome for me. I love that. Like I, if I, I think the thing I miss the most right now is not having that client time in the room face to face and that was kind of like waning before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But I loved that. I loved when they all came in, like when you were told, Andy, what, they're coming over. They're going to be here at, at five, which means they're going to get there at seven. <laughs> and like everybody's, and we'll have sushi waiting for them and everybody's stressed out. And uh, they come in and you're like the island of calm in like the sea of chaos. Yes. You know, it's always like, all right, let's watch down the spot. Stop this right here. This is our first problem. And then you get to be the flame artist which is so different from any other discipline, right? Yeah. Like you get to solve whatever the problem is, work with them interactively. I, I love it too. Yeah. And I miss it. I love the render dome. And I think I told you, you know, I'm, I'm up for doing render dome anytime. Cause that's yes. the kind of stuff I like where you're given something and it's like, okay, we got to ship it in an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <And> make <laughs> whatever make it something is. out of, yeah. <laughs> oh, great. All right, dude, I'm going to make this happen. I, Render Dome is one of those things that kind of like was in the front of my mind and then it slowly made its way to the back of my mind. And then I saw, I don't know if you saw Logic Live on Sunday, but like I saw Andy Dill last week and like we were like just having dinner. We were sitting across each other or next to each other actually at a table and he stood up to like go to the bathroom and I was like eye level with his belt buckle. I'm like, what <laughs> the hell is this? You know, he's like, oh, I never showed you my Render Dome belt buckle that I designed myself, you know. <laughs> He made sure to stand up like right at eye level for you. He was planning that, I bet. Oh, the whole time, you know, the whole time. I love it. All right, we're going to make this happen. And uh, like, I can't promise anything, but in your dream like scenario here, right? What kind of render dome would you like? Because we've done things like here's a comp shot, you know, clean up and whatever. We've done Mm -hmm. some designy things. It's been brought up that we should do one that's like a conform from hell, you know? What, what, what would you like to uh, see when, you know, they would lift off the secret ingredient box and you see what you have to work with? I guess like a 30 second spot and whether it's already assembled or not could be something to figure out. You know, do you, do I have to assemble it first or is it already assembled? But then the main thing would be like every shot or maybe 
five or six shots have notes of like, you know, remove this boom mic and, you know, clean up this face a little bit. And so each shot would have some different kind of thing that would be typical of, you know, like finishing a 30 second spot. Mm -hmm. I love to do that and do it as fast as I can. All right, cool. All right. I will work my magic. Awesome. Okay. So you graduated from Texas A&M in 2003 with a BS in psychology. How? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How, Brian (laughs) Bailey, did you find yourself from that to a flame room and has your mother ever forgiven you? I think so. I think she's cool. And how does that make you feel? Um, it's good. Well, if I did a spot one time for Gatorade and told her from then on, all of her friends know that I do all of the Gatorade spots. Mm -hmm. It's, it's interesting to see that how she likes to brag on me, but she gets it just a little bit wrong, (laughs) but yet. Oh, so right. Yeah. I can tell you, I went to Texas A&M to do the Viz lab there. Visualization lab. It's a program in the architecture department. That is a lot of TDs come out of there for 3D. If you look at the reel of former students from the Viz Lab, it's everything you've seen in Hollywood, CG production-wise. But the the program is very technical, mm-hmm. meant to produce technical directors, and a lot of architecture, a lot of computer science. So after about a year, and it's a five-year master's program, after a year... It was like way too intense and way too technical. I didn't, Mm -hmm. there was never any opportunity to just like go out and make a film or, you know, create a little short animation. It was all designing rigs, designing building structures, stuff like that, setting up pipeline. So I had to figure out what to do. I didn't want to spend four more years doing that. And I found this program in the psychology department called sensation perception. And (laughs) it's, it's a, it's kind of a biology psychology of your senses. And we, in that program, we did a lot of studying art, studying optical illusions, how your eyes and how your brain work, you know, learning about the biology of rods and cones in your eye, Mm -hmm. how your ears, you know, pick up sound. So that was just something that seemed like fun and would be interesting. So I transferred to that, to the psychology department. And that also allowed me to spend more time and take more electives, like, you know, drawing and art and video production and stuff like that. So from high school up through college, I was already doing video stuff. My brother and I would do corporate videos and wedding videos. And by the time college was just about done, I was just going to do, keep doing that. I was going to graduate, have a degree, but just keep doing the kind of wedding videos. We got into, I guess, like a friend group that was basically word of mouth. Got us every weekend we were doing <laughs> weddings for my the last two years of college. If you time that right, you, you can ride that gravy train for a long time. Yes. Yeah. It got a little, a little, I don't know, tough dealing with. Basically, you have a brand new client who's never made a video before every week. Mm-hmm. And you have to walk them through the process and this is their big day. So you can't mess anything up, uh, dealing with lots of moms of brides and, you know, demands from them. So I was going to just keep doing that. But then I met this guy who was the brother of my girlfriend's roommate. Okay. And his name was Dale Carmen. And we were just talking and he was like, yeah, I do 
CG stuff. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And we talked a little bit and he had this company called Real Effects. And okay. I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. I do video stuff. Told him about what I was doing, you know, running my own business, doing video production. And he said, well, why don't you come work for me? And it was kind of just out of the blue. I was like, well, I'll come check out your place and see what it's like. He was up in Dallas and this was in College Station at A&M where I met him. I've went up and saw what real effects was. It was a post house, but they were also doing lots of CG work. And this was all like way above my level of video production, but it looked really cool. Mm-hmm. And I saw the guys in the suites doing flame and what they were doing with the clients. And I loved that from the moment I saw it. So yeah, I did end up go working for him and I was there for about 12 years Wow! and saw that company grow from when I started, it was about maybe 15, 16 people. And that place grew into where now they're doing motion picture, like fully animated uh, movies with, I don't know how many employees, 200, 300. That's amazing. So they kind of, the focus of the company went more towards entertainment and CG animation. And I found another place that was doing more, you know, commercial post work, which was what the flames were really still meant for back in that time. Mm -hmm. There was a weird kind of period where Nuke took over the entertainment pipeline and all of the flame artists were working on commercials, but never as involved in the movie side as they what I thought we should have been, but it was because the pipeline through flame wasn't there. Mm-hmm. That's my psychology degree <laughs> in action. I feel like I use it, you know, it's yeah. Like, like you just said, you know, your favorite thing about being a flame artist, your favorite part is figuring out what the client wants. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain psychological aspect to that, right? Yeah. Well, in a lot of the sensation perception I use in, I still use stuff I learned to color, you know, create palettes and stuff like that. So I think that was pretty beneficial. Nice. So you, you were at Real Effects for about 12 years, and then you went over to Treehouse. Yeah, there was a period where Real Effects bought Radium. Mm-hmm. Radium was really cool in the early 2000s. They were doing really awesome work. Jonathan and Simon there were just like masters that taught me all kinds of stuff. But Real Effects bought Radium and kind of still kept it as a separate company. But I moved over to working for Radium. Oh, okay. And during that time, I spent a lot of time traveling to LA, working on jobs at the Radium Studio for weeks at a time, mm-hmm. and learn learn from a lot of flame freelancers in LA. That's where I met MB. Oh, all right. She's still she's still active, and I see her every once in a while. Mm-hmm. She taught me a lot. Trying to think of other guys, Scott Balcom was a flame artist that was really influential for me. He and I worked together a lot. He taught me a lot of that, you know, improvising or or figuring stuff out with the client in the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I hope he doesn't hear this, but I'll tell you a quick story. Shoot. <laughs> he taught me how when you wanted to take a break, <laughs> but the clients were there, you set up a like, oh, I need to track this. You put the tracking mark as big as the, as the, the whole image <laughs> and hit track and then just walk away like, oh, it's the computer's going to run for a little bit <laughs> and just go hang out in the kitchen for 30 minutes or so, you know, get your coffee. <laughs> oh, that's great. I thought you were just going to say like, you know, you crank motion blur up and you crank the, the, yeah. the sampling up or whatever, but that's the, that's the move right there. Yeah. Then Similar the whole to that. Image yeah. changes. From radium to Treehouse, and Treehouse mm-hmm. was me and two other guys left from real effects and started our own thing to focus on commercial post-production. It was a offline editor, his assistant and me, and we just started our own little studio 
And that was another great time, I guess, for or like a change in career for me because I went from being I, I the my first stop in my flame career. I was surrounded by a lot of flame artists that taught me a lot. And then by the time I got to Treehouse, then I was in charge and I had learned from the masters, you know, to to move on and and make it make it now to where I was in charge, I guess. And then I eventually got our friend Johnny Fegan on to work with me there. And Mm -hmm. he and I were partners in all the flame work at Treehouse, just banging it out every day, always, you know, sharing jobs. We learned a lot about going back and forth with the new, that was right around 20th anniversary. Mm -hmm. And we, we kind of figured that out together when that was that big change that happened. I remember my first day going from, you know, one guy at a big facility to the only flame artist at like a, you know, that was hanging off of an editorial shop essentially. And I remember being absolutely like terrified on the first day (laughs) and like, a jo- it isn't like there was anything scheduled, but something rolled in and it was just like, I went on autopilot. Okay. Yep. Right. I mean, I can see it. They bought an oct. they bought an octane. They put flame on it. I was there. You could still, still had that new flame smell, man. Like it was, it was brand new. And uh, when the, when the time came to do something, boom, I went right into it. I, can, I remember tracking, I can see it. Nice. And then I remember going, okay. Like after like about 20 minutes, I was like, wow, this is happening. I'm doing this and it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. How long were you at the first place before you were taken out to the deep end there? Three and a half years. Yeah. And then cool. I went over to that small shop and had that first day and they, they fired me that day. It was terrible. <laughs> I haven't touched a flame since. <laughs> yeah. In fact, having this conversation right now is really freaking me out because it's bringing back all kinds of bad memories. No, I was there for three and a half, three and a half years and then at that, that small shop for about two yeah. My first day at Real Effects out of college, mm-hmm. I showed up at 8 a.m. and nobody was there. The doors were locked. <laughs> and I was like, I thought, you know, make a good impression. Getting here early. Nobody showed up to like 930. And then it was like the the general manager of the office. And he was like, oh, yeah, I forgot you were starting today. Come, let's go do some paperwork. And then I went into Dale's office and he was like, uh, here's a this is an old Indigo and the SCSI cards broke. I need you to call Autodesk and uh, get support <laughs> to help you reinstall it. And I was like, what's a SCSI card? It must and be I really dirty. Support. <laughs> yeah. I called support and tried to talk through what I was doing, but I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And they, they were support was like, okay, open a terminal and type this command. And I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> help the, me whoever, it's my yeah. first day i wore so that a suit was, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> i did wear a, a like a sports coat and i knew tie it. <laughs> to, to the the first time i just went there to see the place not the first day of work but when i went to i guess it was an interview and everybody's in you know shorts and t-shirts and i was like oh this is the best office i'm gonna come shorts and t-shirts every day i remember that first place i worked at the big place i for the interview i wore a sport jacket yeah. And uh, they, you know, they watched my reel. It was like the, you know, the EP and like the creative director or whatever. They watched my reel and the creative director was like, <laughs> like a statue. Like I could not get a read. I was so nervous and it was like dead quiet. You know, there's like three quarter inch tape days, right? Like you just like, clunk, like stop yeah. that thing. It was the loudest <laughs> and it was dead quiet. And I tried to break the silence. So I said, 
Well, if it's any consolation, I did wear a you know, I did wear a sport jacket today. And he looked at me and said, a consolation for what? And I was like, oh, shit. I just blew it. I just blew it. Oh, boy. But I got the job. So, oh, man. Yeah. What What would you say is the, the, the biggest change going from a bit like being one of many at a big place to being like on your own at a smaller shop? It is. It's that not having a safety net. At the first shop, if I couldn't figure out a comp or like, I don't know how I'm going to accomplish this, then I could go to someone else and ask or, or just, you know, hand it off to the guy who knew how to do it. And then when you're out there on your own, like you figure it out or it doesn't get done. And so that was, that was my fear. There was never anything. I think once I got to that second job, nothing overwhelmed me like I thought it would. So it was a lot of fear that fear of the unknown and, you know, it falls on my shoulders if, I can't get something done. There's no one else above me to fix it or help me. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> it's yeah. all you, man. That's totally true. Flame is something that every artist works a different way. Mm-hmm. And so I saw a lot of different work styles, workflows, or the way people thought or organized you know, in Flame. Mm-hmm. And so when I was on my own, I thought, okay, I'm going to take the best habits of you know, everything I've learned and, you know, setting up the folder structure and stuff like that. Like, this is how I want it to be. And this is how I want it organized. So that was fun that I was able to make those decisions. Do you remember, uh, can you tell me what was one of your best days? doesn't matter which shop you're at or whatever. One of your best days as a flame artist. Oh, that's a tough one. I think of a lot of, there's more than once where it's been like a eureka moment with flame. Or finally something clicks. And then the other thing I think about a lot is just the repetition of doing effects work or comp work to the point now where I'm I sound old and curmudgeon-y, but it's like I've I've seen everything and so I know we can accomplish something. Like I there's nothing now that I fear the clients will ask. Like I remember so many days in those first five years where, you know, oh, I hope they don't ask me to change the color of this because I don't know how I'm going to make that happen. <laughs> you know, like or if they want to tweak that one little thing over there, I don't know how I'm going to make that happen. And I hope they don't ask me to overkey. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of the things I think like, OK, well, especially with flame, too, is like I'll try this method. If that doesn't work, I'll do this method. And then if that doesn't work, I've got another long shot that might work. And so there's always options for trying different things. And in the end, if you have to, you just brute force it, you know, with either like Roto or if a track's not right, you just manually spend a couple hours, you know, getting it lined up. I've had to do that a few times. But yeah, I think I'm I'm not answering your original question. (laughs) A lot of, I think of a lot of days where I saw magic happened, especially with those older flame artists in my early days where, you know, I had no clue what they were doing. There was something I was working on and there was fishing line, moving toys, like Hasbro toys around GI Joe. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get rid of this fishing line because it was sparkling and like reflecting. And I sent it to Scott and he sent it back to me done in like 20 minutes. (laughs) And I was like, I will never be 
that good of a master at flame at how good he is. And then I kind of dug into his setup and what he did. And I was like, Oh, this is, this makes perfect sense. Now it's so simple. Mm -hmm. So that was a lot of my like learning was thinking how I would never be able to accomplish this. And then just spend some time with, you know, those other guys and see how easy it can be. That's true. That is one of the biggest, the beautiful things about being a flame artist, especially if you're in an environment with others, not knowing what to do. And then you look at it and you go, you look at how they did it and you went, Oh yeah. Okay. I got that. Yeah. All right. What about one of your worst days? We all have them and it's fine. You can, you can share it. This is a safe space. Yeah. There's one that I think of that is like, you know, now it's not that big of a deal. But at the time. <laughs> but at the time it was, yeah. I don't even rem- remember what the product was, but it was a commercial and we had worked on it for weeks. We thought it was done. And then the client wanted to come in after hours. And I don't know, we, we started at like 9 p.m. And I was so done with it that my attitude was such that <laughs> the next morning I got told by my boss, like, you know, you're the, you're demeanor and your attitude last night will not cut it. Wow. And I was, I was embarrassed by that, but I also realized like, yeah, he's right. I, I am in this service industry and if I need to just suck it up and smile and put on a happy face, I need to do that. But that was, that was a teaching moment for me to, you know, learn that my, I was there doing the work, but even on top of that, my attitude could affect whether we get another job or whether I get paid that week. So Mm -hmm. that's another part of that working with clients that you have to be able to do. To the audience listening at home, I've known Brian for about seven, six, seven or eight years. And this is as loud and animated as I've ever heard him. (laughs) Okay. So I cannot imagine you like reaching that point where like you had to have a talking to. Yes. All right. Well, and it wasn't a, it wasn't an (laughs) outburst. It was a, like shut up and just like turn my back and like I had my back to the client while I was working and I wasn't responding to them. So oh, it was shut like, down like that. I shut down. It, it wasn't animated okay. over animated. Okay. Like over keyed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to be the title for this. This episode is going to be over keyed. <laughs> over keying. Yeah. So you, okay. You, you, you spent nine years at Treehouse, right? Yeah. Last year. Treehouse weathered the pandemic storm pretty well. We, you know, when the word came down that we were going into quarantine for a couple of weeks, we just like, okay, well, I'm just going to take my computer home. We'll work from home for a little while and then we'll be back here. So I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. And that's right. Then, you, you did a, like an early logic live and you had the flame at home. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's yep. right. I took a Z840 from the office to home. Mm hmm. I set up a system where I had a local little external raid that was a mirror of our job folders back at the office. And so I was working quote unquote locally with that little raid. Mm-hmm. And then every night I had a script that would sync it back to the office and anything new from the job folder in the office would get synced to home. So I was pretty proud of fig- proud of that, like figuring that out. Mm-hmm. So much so that you named your your second child Arsync, right? It's Arsync Bailey. <laughs> oh man, I know Arsync like you wouldn't believe. Now, I don't believe how much I know Arsync. Arsync minus A, sync it all. 
Oh no, man! You gotta you gotta get the R RZP <laughs> recursive, the relative path, and P for progress, so you can see the progress bar and not just sit there looking at a cursor blinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got very familiar with that and learned some Python too. I, you know, I set up a little bit of Python to initiate the rsync jobs by you know sync this job, this job, and this job, and then hit go. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that was an interesting year and a half working from home, as I'm sure everybody has their thoughts on that. Sure. But yeah, I guess because we were small enough and Johnny and I were able to not have to switch jobs a lot, we just worked on our own jobs and then synced them back to the office. We were able to work with the machine at home. I talked to other guys in town that you know immediately got on like Teradici and got all kinds of remote desktop PC over IP setup, And it seemed like a lot of headache. And for me, it was just that my electricity bill went up a little bit because I was pushing that, whatever that like 2000 watt power supply is in that, you know, Z machine. Mm-hmm. My actually, yeah, your electric bill went up, but your home heating bill went down. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. We didn't have to heat in the winter time. <laughs> actually, after about a year at home, we upgraded to Z eights and my company, the, the treehouse just had it shipped to my home, but my IT guy was like, you know, he's like, I'm looking at the specs on this Z8 and do you have a 20 amp circuit in your house? Cause it needs 20 amp. And I was like, well, it's my house is a little bit older and it just has 15 amp. So treehouse paid to have an electrician run a oh, 20 wow. amp circuit in my house <laughs> so I could work from home. So that was interesting. And that Z8, you know, powering up, it's like a jet taking off. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Treehouse was yeah, yo, you got it at the house? Yeah. I know that sound. <laughs> and I know that heat. Yeah. Oof. If only That's it actually cooled. I don't have lights behind it. That's actually the wall is <laughs> it's glowing just nuclear. from the heat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't put a Geiger counter in your room there. You might Nope. Not like it. <laughs> yeah. So Treehouse was doing pretty good with the pandemic, but another situation happened where our biggest client was an agency here in Dallas that you can probably Google and figure this out, but it's the CEO of the agency said some things that weren't great right at the time of George Floyd, you know, things happening in society. Heard of it. And what he said caused almost all of their clients to leave them, which in turn just completely dried us up. That was our one biggest client. So it was crazy abrupt how quick it happened that they lost all of their clients, which meant we lost all of our work. And I'm saying hi to Charlie, my boy here. Hey, Charlie. He's he's checking us out. There he is. Okay. Hey, Charlie. But yeah, that, that kind of treehouse quickly fell apart after that. Not, wow. not any of our fault, you know, it mm-hmm. was just the circumstances of the industry in town. And everybody... It seems to have ended up at other places around town. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that everyone that was at Treehouse moved on and like moved up to like the next level of their career. It seems like for me, you know, they're everyone from producers to assistants. A lot of the assistants moved to be editors. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a cool thing to see that we had a really great team that all separated. Mm-hmm. But you could see how good the team was by where they ended up after that. 
You've spent your entire career in Dallas. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about the Dallas market? Like I could tell you about New York. Mm -hmm. There are a bunch of guys who could tell you about LA, you know, and Randy could tell you a thing or two about Chicago. Yeah. What's Dallas like for advertising, for post, what it's like to be a flame artist in Dallas? Yeah, it's from what I've seen doing a little bit of work in LA and talking to flame artists from other places, Dallas is pretty unique in just the way post gets done and the the companies that are here are pretty much I think they're all like, you know, locally owned or locally run. You might see bigger companies in LA that have offices in New York or Chicago, but Dallas is I guess kind of an island as far as agencies and post production goes. There's 15 or 20 flame artists that I know of around Dallas. And we have a user group and try to get together. We haven't gotten together since the pandemic, but we are planning a meeting in July. So hopefully I'll be posting that on the Logic Forum soon. Nice. But yeah, it's it's a kind of a tight-knit community. All of the post house flame artists know each other and we're friend friendly and you know talk to each other. When I was at Real Effects, there was a little bit of like us versus them mentality, but since then, and I guess also because I'm, I've pushed the user group here, mm-hmm. you know, it's a really good community of people that we know we're all kind of in it together to to keep our industry going here. And so we chat and talk and and there is some every once in a while there's shakeups of people move to the other post house sure. or there's, you know, intermingling of jobs changing. So it seems like everybody knows everybody. Cool, man. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's anything else. And we're on borrowed time. I know that. It's Benny's time now. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's bouncing off the walls because he was supposed to start summer camp this week, but it got delayed a week. So Oh, gotcha. He's 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 been at home making his own summer camp. Gotcha. Yeah. My baby's eighteen and her older brother's twenty one. So I I miss those days. But then some days I don't. Oh. Yeah. Did we talk about this? Are you empty nester now? Yeah. Ah, you must have Ah, so much free time. Dude, it's the best thing (laughs) since having kids was getting rid of them. (laughs) Getting getting rid of them, yeah. I swear I mean that in a good way. Like if they weren't happy and settled and where they want to be and doing well, it would not be any fun. But uh, I highly recommend it. It's worth all the effort to see them succeed. And after you drop them off, it's a very sad car ride home. But the next day. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Once they're out, you got the pants off dance off every Thursday, right? No, it, it, that's Monday through Sunday. What are you talking about every Thursday? <laughs> that's the best part. You can do anything you want on Tuesday because, you know, you're not bound to like a school schedule or anything like that. Yeah. It's beautiful and well worth the effort. I mean, it. I am now trying to rebuild my credibility as a parent <laughs> and a leader of the community. No. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. And I'm really very much looking forward to this kind of new chapter of my my career too, just because I have, I do have the time and the flexibility to try new things, do new things and to make the most of it. Well, thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. And I've always appreciated your friendship and thank you for all that you've done for the community, the hosting the user groups and your one frame of white entries. And of course, coming on Logic Live. And I look forward, very much forward to seeing you in the render dome. <laughs> and I'm going to make that happen for you, man. I will. Awesome. That's great. It's long overdue. Yeah. Well, thank you for all you do too. This is like the last, what is it, two years of logic and, and pushing it to the website off of Facebook has been just awesome for the community. Oh, thanks, man. I agree. It was a, it was a, that was a big transition going off Facebook, but it was, it was necessary. And uh, sure. 
I think it's been so much better. More, even more, you know, good stuff has come out of it. Not just the forum, but just the community Amen. and all the things, you know, the, the live and everything else. So, well, thanks, man. It got me re-energized to want to do more, you know, either just answering questions or doing something for Logic Live. So that's awesome. Sweet. I might be getting you to return the favor by coming to Dallas soon for a little user group. Oh, I would love it. I would love it. I'm dying to do in-person events. Cool. All right, my friend. Have a good night. Say good night to Benny for me. I will. (laughs) He needs lots of hugs and kisses before bed. Yes, and stories, I'm sure. All right, thank you. Bye. You got it, buddy. Bye. Everyone knows that Boris FX makes the best plugins in the business. Mocha, Sapphire, Silhouette Paint, Continuum, and the new Optics. You can save 15% on all of Boris FX plugins, either standalone or subscription, by using the code LOGIC-15 at checkout. That's capital L, lowercase o-g-i-k, dash one five at checkout. This episode of the Logic Podcast is brought to you by Cinesis.io. To find out more about their remote workflow solutions, check them out at Cinesis.io. See you next time.